Well, now this is another Books of the Year podcast from your friends at Books of the Year. I've got to yeah, think of a better no, way of introducing it. That doesn't work at all, because of course it's that. Yeah. This is the Books of the Year podcast. <laughs> yeah. and I, I think I left my phone on. <laughs> all right, John's okay, left his right. phone on. And John has left his phone on. <laughs> right. It's fine. We're going to carry on. We are going to carry John on. John Boyne has left his phone on. He's now turning it off and we'll introduce Michelle Paver, who is, uh, who is here. Hello, hello, Michelle. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Simon. It's very nice to see you again. It's great to see you Is again. your phone on or is your My phone, phone off? is off. It is off. Yeah, Definitely off. See, you're, you thought about this ahead of time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unlike John Boyne. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean... <laughs> anyway, John Boyne is here and my brother's name is Jessica. Michelle is here with it's Wakenhurst. 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 Yeah. I was just wanted I was just wanted to make it absolutely is indeed certainly Wakenhurst. Wakenhurst. Anyway, the uh, the main interview uh, with Michelle and with John is on our other podcast. This is our very famous Q&A session. Uh, and and we'll just answer them in in any order uh, that you see fit. John, the last book you really really enjoyed. Um Damien Barr's novel uh, You Will Be Safe Here which is set during the, the partly during the Boer War and partly about 100 years later, really, uh, with the, the effects of that still going through the generations in South Africa. And why, why, was that, why does that qualify as a really, really enjoyable book? Well, it, I didn't know much about the subject at all. And I do enjoy a, a novel that um, educates me uh, on something that I, I know very little about, while at the same time entertaining me with really interesting characters and you know, the emotional experience of the people in it. So I, I think he, he captures it all just brilliantly. So that's You Will Be Safe Here. You Will Be Safe Here. It's just been published there about, about two or three weeks ago, I think. Michelle, the last book you really, really enjoyed. Yeah, this was uh, non-fiction, The Despe- Desperate Romantics, The lives, the Private Lives of the Pre-Raphaelites by Franny Boyle. And uh, boy, it read like a novel. It really did. And I agree with you, John. You know, I like to read something about a subject I don't know anything about. And, you know, the pre-Raphaelites, you, you could not make it up. You know, addiction, sex, poor you know, Lizzie Siddle sort of posing for Ophelia, floating in a tin bath and ruining her health ever after. Uh, just really compellingly written and an amazing set of characters. Okay, and it's called again? Uh, Desperate Romantics. Desperate Romantics. Yeah. Okay. So that is uh, non-fiction. Do you have a favourite historical fiction writer? Well, I would say it's ha- it has to be Georgette Hare, actually. Uh, and I-, I loved her in my 20s, the Regency novels. Uh, and recently I've got a 91-year-old aunt and uh, she still reads everything and I've got her onto Georgette Hare and it's got me back onto her. Wow. Uh, and yeah, she just she could just really write, you know. She could tell a story with wit and verve and she captures the atmosphere of the Regency period. Love it. John? I think I, I tend to prefer writers who might write the occasional historical novel. Like, for example, Rose Tremaine, who's a, mm. a writer whose work I love, yeah. uh, whatever she writes. But, you know, there's the, the novel she wrote, Restoration and Merivel historical novels. I loved Colin Tobin's historical novel, The Master. Um, I liked uh, David Mitchell's book, um, The Thousand, what is it, Thousand Years of Jacob de Zoot. So it, it's not so much... Uh, I, I tend to just like a writer and their work. Yeah, and I love The Master. I agree with you. That's me. a wonderful book. Yeah, yeah. and um, I remember David Lodge published a novel at exactly the same time, author, author, also, also on Henry James, James. <laughs> and it was it was the and then the, it was the year of Henry James, and yes. he was writing Henry James books, except Henry James was dead. <laughs> but um, so I, I tend to just like writers um, in general, that, and, and it's their historical work sometimes, which are the ones that I really. Uh, remember the most. Okay, so we, we changed the questions just a little bit depending on uh, who's here to answer the questions. So I don't know whether you have a favourite historian 
John, we've done historical fiction. Do you have a favourite historian who you would look at? Well, favourite might be going a bit far, but I, I have enjoyed the those the Anthony Beaver books, you know, Stalingrad and mm. D-Day and those. Um, I'm very always been very interested in Second World War, and um, I think he. You mentioned Michelle about mm-hmm. you know a nonfiction book that reads like a novel, you know, and that is what you want, I think, from nonfiction. Yeah. You don't want it to feel like something you, you would have read in school, not like a textbook. Yeah, no, no. Um, and I think he writes. He's got a great uh, just page turning feel to him. Michelle. Well, I'm going to move the goalpost slightly and say an art historian because Andrew Graham Dixon. I can read anything he writes about art, Uh, particularly, uh, sounds very pretentious, but I'm rereading his biography of Caravaggio because Caravaggio is one of my favourite painters, you know, incredibly dramatic and his life was matched. Goodness me, his life. Goodness me, I mean, you know, murder and all the rest of it. But Andrew Graham Dixon can really write about his paintings and and just increase my understanding of them, but in a in a very very poetic and sort of non stodgy way. It's just just wonderful. Do you have a favourite children's author? Yeah, children's author. Ah, oh, it has to be Roger Lancel and Green, um, who you know certainly introduced me to the Norse myths, the Greek myths, um, fairy stories from all around the world. I think it's why I ended up writing Wolf Brother, you know, because Native American myths. Yes, just just wow. an amazing, amazing writer. I remember um, when I was a kid having his book on Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. I must have read it 20 times. Yeah, I'd say, at least exactly. Over and over as a kid, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah. Would he be your favourite children's author as well? No, I'm going to no. go for um, Philip Arda, uh, who I love. And he's a very funny, very... Um, very witty guy, very witty novels for kids, very uh, eccentric. I, I don't know if you've had Philip on, on your show before, but no. and like he's mad as a hatter. You probably know Michelle. And, <laughs> I you know, come across him. <laughs> big long beard and great fun to be around, but a passionate advocate for children's books mm. and, you know, a, a workhorse. My God, he lost track of how many books he's published. This is a very divisive question and some people just don't want to do it, in which case that's fine. The book is there a book that you would like to step inside of where the world creation is so... Because sometimes world creation is so is very believable. You think, yes, but I'd never want to be a part of that. Well, that was my first reaction. You know, all the books I've really loved. No, I would definitely not want to be in there. But then I had a look at my, my bookshelves and I thought, yeah, there's, there's one set of books, um, the Lucia books by E.F. Benson. Whenever I read them, you know, the map and Lucia, it's this sort of, they're written in the 20s and 30s, very sort of upper middle class sort of village that never existed and probably, well, never will now. But it's just a world I would like to step into, you know, where you could post things, post a Christmas card on Christmas Eve and it'll be delivered the next day. And, and OK, they've all got servants and everything and they're all very elitist, but it's very witty and very funny and I'd love to be there for a day. John, yeah. is, there, is, there, is there a an author in a book who's created a world that's been engaging enough for you to think you wouldn't mind going there? Watership Down. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always loved Watership Down and I'd like to be in that. I'd like to be a rabbit. And uh, it, it doesn't know. end well for everyone. It doesn't end well no. for every, You'd everyone. You'd like to be a successful end, rabbit. You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 would, I want to be one of the rabbits that makes it all the way indeed, to, indeed. You know, to the promised land. <laughs> and, um, you know, just running around the fields, not worrying about life and... And the world and everything that goes on in the world and, you know, just worrying about myxomatosis. That's, well, they've got to know, enough to worry about, haven't yes. they, I think? So, yeah, I'll be a rabbit, please. Okay. Uh, how long do you tend to give a book? I, I, to, to, to make you feel better about this, I if, if I don't have to read a book, if you've not got me within the first 30 pages, mm. it's not going to happen. Mm. But how long do you give a book or do you always finish it? I, I certainly don't always finish it. Um, definitely not. I have no compunction about 
uh, throwing it away. And um, usually I'm pretty ruthless. I will, you know, if it doesn't engage me in the first page or first chapter. Wow, first oh, yeah. page? Yeah. Wow, that is ruthless. <laughs> it is ruthless because I think, you know... But, well, let me let me be be more Chapter specific. Chapter one. No, I'm not. I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't buy it. No, no, no. Listen. The if title. I don't like the title. I'm not going there. If there's something about the style or um, the subject matter in the on the first page that really annoys me, mm. then I probably will put it down. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Um, my face was throbbing with ache. That is an actual sentence in a book that I picked up. My face was throbbing with ache. At that point, I put the book down. That is so <laughs> yeah, badly written, there's no way. But no, I have I have actually made it through to sort of several chapters um, if it, if I quite like the writing. Um, but I think, oh, okay, you know. But I don't Good give it you. very long. Right. No, I'm yeah. quite ruthless. I was imagining my book is, my face was aching with throb. Yeah, that would also <laughs> end up in the recycling bin, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't be as ruthless and I, I try to finish things, but I do think life is too short and many books are too long. And I would I think I'd usually go about a hundred pages. Um and then if if there's another if there's only a hundred pages more to come, I'd keep going. If there's five hundred pages to come no. and I'm not enjoying it, then no. But I would say of every ten books I read, um or I start to read, I would say I probably only put one down mm-hmm. um, for the most part. It's pretty good. Is it me again? Yeah. Um, the first book you bought with your own money, John? Oh, I think it was The Secret Seven. Um, oh. I was an obsessive Secret Seven fan. I didn't like The Famous Five. Um, I found those books too too long. But The Secret Seven books were shorter. And um, and I collected them all. And I bought them on my summer holidays when I was about seven or eight. Do you think they... Have you read one recently? I wonder if they... I haven't. I, um, I, I, I don't know. They're probably full of like racist <laughs> comments yes. and things, and they're probably terrible. But um, I remember loving them. You know, yeah. they were great. Yeah. I remember the famous five because I do. Yeah, yeah I and I remember those. reading them back to because they obviously reissued and republished on a regular basis, and reading them to my eldest, I think, and then realizing that it was all. You know, you always knew they were in trouble when the gypsies were around, <laughs> <laughs> and if there's anything gone missing, it was always the gypsy boy. I've forgotten that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No. No, that, that, that's always the case. Oh. Anyway, the first book, Michelle, you bought with your own yes, money. Yes, it was Alfred Hitchcock's Ghostly Gallery, which is, uh, I don't know if Alfred Hitchcock had anything to do with it, but it's a compilation of ghost stories, uh, which I realise now were subtly abridged. But they are classic ghost stories, and I've still got it. Um, and it, they are some really classic ghost stories. The Upper Birth, you know, one of the, the most scary ghost stories ever. So that really, I think I bought it when I was about, yeah, John, when John, you know, eight. Eight years of age and you were buying ghost stories. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, I lived opposite a graveyard. Um, oh. So I could hear owls hooting. This is all starting to make sense. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This is all slotting no, no. into place. And, and this, this is going to sound grander than it is, but we had a suit of armour on the landing. Um, not because we lived in a posh house, but mm-hmm. because my father had fallen in love with this thing when he was supposed to be buying a second-hand sofa. And he'd bought this thing and it was called Uncle Alphonse. And so that was pretty scary at night. Um, so, yeah. I, I, so, so, so he came home with a suit of armour instead of a sofa. Yeah, yeah. Just as well he never got his hands on eBay. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. That would have been, yes, that's quite a thought, actually. Good Lord. Uh, do you have a favourite travel writer? A travel writer. Um, I like, I love Joe Simpson on mountains. I think he, he evokes them as no one else can uh, for obvious reasons because he's fallen off them and climbed them. Should have put that the other way around. Um, but I think Colin Thubron as well for the, the sort of the wilds of Siberia and Russia. I love the way he writes and I'm in awe of how intrepid he is. 
I have to admit, I don't really read travel writing. I've read a couple over the years, but it's not a genre that I mm. find myself particularly drawn to. Your favourite autobiography, John? Oh, that's easy. <coughs> Personal History by Catherine Graham. Because? Um, I remember reading that. Like, she was the owner of the Washington Post and um, her father had been the owner and then her husband got the job when his father died. But then, um, sadly, he took his own life and she got the job and was the first woman doing that. And it was the Penske Papers, it was Nixon. And it's it's a thrilling ride through American politics over about 40, 50 years. And she had such a unique voice in it. And she goes from a place, I think, of being quite a, a shy, introverted young woman of the time to being, you know, I'm going to take down a president. Did you enjoy the Steven Spielberg movie where Meryl well Streep and Tom Hanks? You know, I don't think it was brilliant, but I liked it well enough. Okay. Make yeah, I, I am pretty sure that I've never read an autobiography, but I've read loads of biographies. So I'm going to, again, move the goalposts. Um, the first one I ever read, um, and they're mostly biographies of writers for some reason, I'm just interested in it, was uh, Margaret Forster's biography of Daphne du Maurier, which I just thought was amazing. Again, that read like a novel and, and just a, an amazing story. Um, and then Hermione Lee's um, biography of Edith Wharton, because I, I love Edith Wharton. I love her ghost stories, ah, anything else. Um, yes, quite. And uh, again, that's a, it's a huge book, but it's so such a, a marvelous evocation of the time in which she lived, as well as as well as the writer. And I love reading biographies of other writers. You know, how did they do it? How indeed? When was the last time you used a public library? Uh, last week. I've been using that public library, Wimbledon Library, for fifty years. <laughs> wow! Is there a reason you go there? Uh, to look at the books. Uh, apart from the books. <laughs> Just it's possibly. Because it's the books. Not because of the coffee. It is yeah. still the books. Uh, absolutely, yes, though, to look up books. Uh, to my shame, it has been many, many, many years. Um, I, I I don't really use libraries very much. Um, there was a great library down the road from us growing up that my mum uses still every week, but I just don't find myself in libraries. Mm. Is there a hidden gem of a place where you do... Well, the question is about research, but I wonder if we could also extend it to writing as well, whether there is somewhere that you... So so researching and writing, obviously, you will do in various amounts depending on the subject matter of the book. Do you have favourite places where you research and favourite places where you write? John Boyne first. Um, well, my favourite place to write a first draft would be at home. I would. I don't think I would write... I would very rarely write on a first draft somewhere away. I'd need some space and time at home. But other than that, I can write on the road. I can write in trains and planes and hotel rooms. It doesn't really bother me. I can write in the seat of the back of a pub. Um, it doesn't doesn't matter to me. So I don't think I have an, any kind of hidden gem place. And, you know, I, I'm trying to move away from research type books anyway into just pure imagination. Can I just ask you before, Michelle, why is the first draft so different and so special that you have to write that at home? Oh, I think I just need the kind of the privacy, the space mm -hmm. of being at home. If I'm away, I'm probably away for work anyway. So, mm -hmm. you know, doing events or doing things. I, I want to have my days completely free so I can get mm -hmm. that first draft down. Mm -hmm. Michelle? I, I agree with that. I mean, I think you need a sort of free brain and not distracted. Um, hidden gems for research... I, not a hidden gem because they're all, it's always different. I mean, um, for the book, I'm the sequel to the Wolf Brother books, which I'm writing at the moment, I went to Siberia. You know, I'd never been there before. It's not a hidden gem, but it's quite difficult to get to in that sense. Um, for Wakenhurst, I went to, you know, the marshes and things. So, so uh, it, I usually discover hidden gems 
and, and those are the things when I'm doing the research and those are the things that give me the ideas in, in terms of writing um, I am pretty much a creature of habit sometimes I have yes like you John I've, I've had to write on, on, on the hoof as it were but I don't like to um, so just I have a a sort of old Victorian desk. It's not valuable, but it's just old and it fits the house. So I like to write my first draft on that, um, just out of sort of superstition. And also because um, a wonderful writer of ghost stories, Margaret Oliphant, Victorian writer, died in my house. So that's a nice sort of link. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is quite a nice link. It's not why I bought the house, but, um, you know. Did you know before you bought the house? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, right. And the first night I, I, I was in the house, I read one of her classic stories, The Open Door, just... I don't believe in ghosts, but just to sort of make my peace with Margaret. Wow. Tell her she was Was it one of the things that like, made you say, yeah, I'm buying yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. It was actually yeah. quite a little yeah. sort of added Philip. <laughs> so, yeah, the house is a good place to write. Uh, in which case, I'm, I'm hesitating with this question. Is there a book that always cheers you up? No. <laughs> no, right. There you go. <laughs> there isn't. Um, I mean, it's always different. I mean, if I am feeling low, I always go to a book... But it could be a complete. It might. I don't know what book it's going to be. Quite often, it might be Trollope, Anthony Trollope, because he's very absorbing and quite funny. Um, and so, yeah. But it's not one particular book. Yeah, it's the same for me. Not one, but I would go to somebody who I know is going to make me laugh, and that would probably be Jonathan Coe. Um, I love Jonathan. I always love Jonathan Coe's novels, and they're they're complex and labyrinthine, but they're they're so funny. And the characters are so um, ridiculous sometimes. Uh, I always enjoy his books very much. Uh, John Boyne and Michelle Pave are answering uh, our Q&A. Look elsewhere uh, on the Books of the Year podcast, wherever you get your podcast, for our main conversations about their uh, latest books, uh, because you will not want to miss a word of what Michelle and John have to say. But for the moment, thank you very much. Great pleasure. Okay, so before we're done... Yes? There's this thing called the podcast... uh, of the year. Yes, I well I know about this. The because well I know that your other podcast, yes, the, the other the other family is it won the people's vote. Yeah, yeah, it did win a people's vote. So but but uh, so are we in the running against your are you running against yourself? Yes. How's that gonna work? Well split the vote, that's what he's gonna do. Yes. I appreciate that that might be slightly problematic. <laughs> I'm being told that I should fall on my sword and pull out of the race. Yes. In the other one. What an excellent idea. I'm very much uh, in okay. the in well, the corner I... of the producer there. Yes. You vote on for your both. Soul. Vote can... for both. Well, you, can you? Are you allowed to vote for both? Is it, what, what is happening to... De... Oh, can you vote for one? Rob Jordan says, How brilliant and ironic if Books of the Year with the amazing Simon Mayer and Matt Williams won favourite podcast at the Brit Pod Awards supported by the BBC Sounds app. Vote mm. now, everyone. Yes. Simon Carty. Only if Matt's mum is there. No, she's not going to be there. Simon Midgley, I voted for you and Matt, but Matt will have to wear black tie and jodhpurs. <laughs> jodhpurs? <laughs> Good Lord. Um, if you do want to vote for us, uh, can you go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote and you type in Simon Mayo or look at our Twitter page. So that's um, britishpodcastawards.com slash vote and you type in Simon Mayo or look at our Twitter page. Well, if we do if we do win, then I will wear a tux. And I'm not jodhpers. wearing jodhpurs. Come on. I have not bought a pair of jodhpurs yet. You know that that's what the nation wants to see. Clearly. I'll wear. Hey, if this podcast wins, I'll wear John. You'll wear John. We'll both wear John. Oh my goodness! I am right. Well, I'm gonna. Yes. And you need a horse. And a horse? Yes. Right. Okay. I'm not bringing a horse or wearing. But I'm so happy that you're going to be wearing Jodhpurs. Only goodness if you do. Me. Really? Anyway. Oh right, that's changed. If you would like to uh, to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can tweet us at Books of the Year. Yes. And you can email Books of the Year 
at, at yahoo.com. <laughs> yes, well done. It's only been a year. I know. Thanks for me. So uh, please get in touch uh, and your reaction to Michelle's book and your reaction to, to John's book, the books that you're reading, and tell us when you voted. Uh, at the British Podcast Awards dot com slash vote, typing in Simon May, or you can look at our Twitter page. Is that all clear? That's all very clear. Well done, Matt. You've so been, smooth. You've been fabulous. As so ever. have you. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.